Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. Welcome to the show today. We have James Jordan. He is a seasoned recruiter. He is a leader and a founder with over 17 years of experience building dynamic teams across the USA and Europe. Currently in the UK joining us today, but also flying in between uh, Colorado as well. Uh, He's not just an expert, he's a visionary. He's transformed the landscape of recruitment, a product management professionals with his company Producto that we will talk about. I hope I'm pronouncing the the name right. Producto? Producto. Yep, that's Uh, right. But uh, super excited. I've I've known James for about a year now and kind of seen his his journey throughout starting his, his own business. And it's been it's been fun. It's been fun to to witness and see what y'all, what you've been cooking up and and uh, super excited to dive into a whole bunch with you. So thanks for uh, joining us today. No problem. And I appreciate the intro. I feel like I need to get you on board to be doing this pitch to everyone else. I love it. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Well, now you have a snippet. You can save it and, and send it out. <laughs> um, well, so uh, James, uh, let, let's kick things off with, you know, you, you run a company called Producto. Let's hear a little bit of elevator pitch on the company first, and then I want to dive into your background as well. Yeah, sounds good. Well, so um, Producto was born because uh, of a huge gap in the market. I mean, I've worked, as you rightly put it, for a number of years in the tech recruitment industry, 17, 18 years now, and it's always been across technology as a whole. And I think um, from my, you know, my own experience in my early years, plenty of recruitment companies offer support around software engineering, data, DevOps, various other areas. Product management has always been an area that's been neglected. And um, mm. I ended up spinning up a product management function at my last company, really enjoyed doing it. And it filled a lot of gaps for a lot of the customers we were serving at the time. And so naturally, when I started to explore setting up my own opportunity, I wanted to test the idea of, is there a market you know, for a recruitment business to be focused solely on product management? So there might've been even how we got connected in the first place, Kevin, but you know, I was speaking to a lot of people in the field, getting feedback yeah. and plenty of people telling me it's, it's tough, tough to rec- recruit for, tough to find a job in. And so I decided to launch product back in May, 2022 to be entirely focused on product management recruitment. So PM through to CPO level hiring for companies all over the US, um, totally agnostic on the location and the industry uh, within the US. But it's really about practicing and specializing in product management all day, every day. And that has allowed me to get some pretty cool insights into the, the weird and wonderful world of product management and how it continues to evolve. That's awesome. Let's go into a little bit more on yourself. I'd love to hear the elevator pitch on you, James. Yes. So, I mean, like I said, I've worked in the tech recruitment industry now for about yep. 17, 18 years. Um, I think that I, I come, I come to Producto from a really unique point in that I started off my career software engineering recruitment, right? So you probably know this as well as I do and some of the listeners that when you're recruiting software engineers, those skill sets are very tangible, very specific, right? So very easy to pinpoint and go after. And I did that for a number mm. of years. I, I was good at it. Um, but it didn't really challenge me. I didn't really pique my interest too much. And then. Focusing on, on product management has been a bit more of a stretch uh, professionally because I think it requires uh, someone who has a broad understanding of business and technology and recruitment as a whole in order to do this. And I think the fact that I'm doing it, I'm doing it now in my career, you know, 17 years in, 
makes a ton of sense because I think if I was going back to my early days, would I have understood what a great product manager looks like? Would I understand the business impact that these individuals can have? Do mm. I understand how to qualify someone's needs to that extent that I can guide and advise a company on what they should be hiring or a job seeker on what they should consider? And so, and so, yeah, like, you know, my, my USP is that, you know, I've been all around the world recruited for a few different areas in technology. I've built uh, specialized recruitment teams in different verticals and I've built product management recruitment teams and now that I'm doing it, I'm, I'm doing it through the lens of I've seen and experienced lots of different things. And I think that puts me in quite a unique spot with just not only what I do and what I'm building at Producto um, and allows yeah. us to do something, you know, I think quite special in the market. Thanks for the background. It, it, it's awesome to um, hear kind of the journey that folks get into their current situation. It's it's always seems like looking backwards, it's almost, oh, it was planned. <laughs> and none of these things kind of end up that way, right. right? It's like, oh, I stumbled into this and then it made me able to go try this new experiment or this oh, totally. new kind of career jump, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, I think a lot of it is through, this will resonate with you, I'm just naturally curious as an, as an individual, yes. like what else is out there? What else is going on? And that kind of led me to product management as an area that I'm yeah. now focusing on. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's super interesting, but you have to go where the needs are. And I think there's, there's a ton of need. Yeah. So t let's talk about that a little bit. I want to approach it from the company standpoint first, and then we can move on to the candidacy. So as a business, when you work with these organizations, what are some of the questions? Like, when do they come to James? Like, when are they coming to Producto to say like, Hey, we really need some top talent. Great question. There's, I put people in, a, well, I put companies in a few different buckets. You have companies that think they know what they want and they come to you and say, Hey, we want to hire this particular profile. Could be a senior PM in a particular background or whatever it may be. So they have what they think are very clear defined needs. Hmm. And that that's kind of interesting because even if they are relatively clear, they still need qualifying and testing, you know, when they come to me. So I'll get on that in a little more detail shortly, but you have the companies in that bucket. You then have some companies who are like, Hey James, I've been told that we need to hire someone in product, you know, could be a, a founder that's built the business to a certain point And it's like, we're trying to grow. And I know we need to hire someone because, you know, our VC has ad advised us or I know mm. it's, the, it's the done thing, but they're not quite sure what they're looking for next or what they need. So those companies need some guidance and then Every now and then I do come across a, a few folks who are like, Hey, I know we need some kind of uh, product individual, but I need a lot of guidance on what this is going to look like. So there's, there's kind of three camps of like pretty clear, reasonably clear, but I need some guidance and some need a lot of hand holding. Um, and I would mm. say that most of the, the customers I come across kind of fall into the first two buckets. Um, but they, they need a lot of qualification and a lot of digging to understand is what they think they need, what they actually need, you know, and it, it needs, it needs a lot of qualification, a lot of understanding as to where they're at, they're at in that process to be able to run an effective search. Love that. Let's use like a previous example. What did they come to you with and how did you assess and like get into the, the actual answer of what they need? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I can use uh, some, some recent ones. So, um, recruiting for in recent months have a big push on senior pms principal level pms growth focused product managers that seems to be a real trend in the last couple of quarters so i've got a ton of ex exposure to doing that um but you know one example 
you know, a customer had been looking for some time on their own through their own internal recruiter. They're a relatively small business uh, that was expanding and they had like one internal recruiter who was kind of running point for everything, right? Um, hmm. They'd have been looking like two or three months when they un unable to find what they were looking for. And so they came to me with what they thought was pretty clear a need. Um, so once we sat down and decided to have a chat about what they were looking for, the senior product manager vacancy that they were going to market with, after a few questions, it was apparent that it wasn't that clear. And, you know, that might have been a factor in why they couldn't source someone themselves in the first place, mm. uh, to be honest. But after going into some questions around, well, what type of PM do we need? How much time are they spending, you know, facing external, you know, going external, talking to customers or target customers uh, versus working internally, you know, with stakeholders, other teams, uh, or building you know, an internal product or, or feature or whatever it may be. Uh, so we're asking questions around that. And we're asking questions around... Um, the senior the, the seniority right because there's a i post about this quite a lot on linkedin you know a senior pm to one company might be a pm to another or a principal mm. to another right so there's a lot of ambiguity in titles but you know what do you want a, a senior pm to do in this business what does a senior pm currently do um and it was clear that they didn't actually have any senior pms in the mm. business they just wanted an experienced product manager uh which was interesting so you know go through the qualification yeah. process to understand what it is they actually need, where the gaps were in their broader product team setup, helped me understand, well, you know, you're trying to plug this gap and you've got skills here and here. So let's requalify and understand in order of priority what's most important here. And I think at the time we were quite focused on like growth, uh, PM skill sets, A-B testing, spending time with customers. But what was apparent actually is they just needed someone who could build, uh, you know, products from scratch, take it to market successfully, then do some of the A-B testing. So I think they were originally in their mind further along in that journey of like, hey, we just need someone who can do a lot of this A-B testing, again, quick iteration and, and, and development type work. But what they really needed was someone who could build it from scratch. And then once that, that product was further along in its journey, they could continue to re reiterate, test again, and launch additional products to market. So. I guess like with all that being said, going back to my point a few minutes ago, a lot of this is, is about really understanding when someone says, Hey, I'm looking for a senior PM. Well, let's take some time mm. to dive into what, what does a senior PM do in your business? Uh, what does a great senior product manager look like in terms of their background, their experience, what problems are they going to solve? You know, and that, that's why I spend a bunch of my time just almost like saying, Hey, let's just forget the job for a second. Let's just understand your mindset around product management mm. and and let's look at the business and what you're trying to achieve here. And then we can think about matching that up externally to what's like in the market. Yeah, I love that. That's a very product manager -y of you. Uh, <laughs> so it sounds like you're kind of, yeah, you're assessing, you know, what the customer says they want and, and you're kind of like really solving for their jobs to be done essentially by, you know, uh, assessing the situation and then setting up a recommendation on how to move forward. Now, you're mentioning that, you know, senior product management, growth, there's all these other different types of product management out there. Zero to one, you mentioned as well, like more entrepreneurial. Now, is there kind of like a go-to guide that you have to talk to with companies to say, well, here's what a growth product manager does. And then you kind of list all those attributes and here's what a senior PM does and here's what an APM does. And does that give them a better sense of what they're trying to or what they would yeah. need? 
Yeah. So, so I, I have some templates. I, th I think the challenge is, is when you, you know, when you're trying to engage with a customer and they want your guidance, the moment you start to sell or offer solutions in without fully knowing what, mm. what their real problems are, um, I, I think it creates, it creates a different problem for the customer. So I, I try to refrain from doing that. Right. So I, I'm almost at the point now, uh, Kevin, you know, when I, I talk to so many product leaders every day, every week about this, some people have a really fixed mindset on how product management should be performed and executed. Mm. Right. Um, some don't and, you know, conflicting views. I'm almost at the point where it doesn't really matter. I guess what I'm trying to understand is what are you trying to achieve in the business? And then sure. I have some stock examples of what a growth PM does and you know, what a PM does and what a lead PM should do and all of that to guide them. But a lot of it really is, is helping companies to sort of self-analyze and self-assess their situation. And I, I think that's probably mm -hmm. the biggest gap, um, in the skill set of most companies when they're hiring in general, not just for product. It's like looking inwards and testing actually what we think we need. Do we really need that? Um, because that's why so many recruitment campaigns, you know, some people listen to this might find themselves applying for jobs and these jobs are up, you know, live for like two, three, four, five, six months. It's because companies are going through 10, 15, 20, 100 interviews, mm. refining their search every time because every interview tests their thinking. Well, what I'm trying to do is test that from the outset to avoid so many iterations in the process, you know? So, so yes, I do have those templates. Yeah. I, I refrain from using them as much as possible. Um, so if a company will press me on it, I can give them some guidance, but I, I don't want companies to get too caught up in, it must be like this, or it must be like that. Let's understand sure. your situation and let's see how that fits with the external market and how we take that to market. It is such a, like a chameleon type of role, right? I feel like there's a lot of, there, there are some of the harder attributes that you've gained experience with, like you mentioned, like an AB testing uh, background versus a more zero to one background. But it seems like a good product person can kind of fit the right company. So it's, almost, it's like a matchmaking service that you're providing. So you're also trying to understand the candidates' desires, hopes, dreams, you know, the, their goals or aspirations and align that even though there might not be a 100% match of what the company wants to accomplish because maybe the company doesn't also really know. And so I wonder if you have some stories about matching that candidate with the right company at the right time, the right goals? Like what were some of those attributes that you witnessed or noticed to say like, out of my pool of leaders that I talked to or this, these PMs, this is the person for this role? I've got tons of examples because I think if I, go, if I dip in very quickly to that point I made, I started my career as software engineer recruit. Um, yeah. I feel like it's a little bit more black and white when you hire a software engineer, right? You know, we use this tech stack, you run them through an assessment, sure. off you go, you're kind of hired, right? And it's not always that simple, but it can be. Yeah. When you, when you're recruiting for product managers, generally speaking, cause it's so cross-functional, um, you work with different stakeholders, different, different teams, different personality types, et cetera. Um, I spend a lot more time focused on personality and culture fit, team fit. Um, and I don't know if it's like, maybe uh, like, I don't know, intuition now, or I just, I've done it so much that. I spend more time in that zone because it doesn't really matter what skills to a certain extent someone has. Yes, you know, there needs to be some baseline skills there, right? Um, but if you don't hit it off and you don't see things the same way and you're not aligned on yeah. the goal or the mission, uh, is it ever going to really work? 
maybe for the short term, yes, you can get some results out of it, but it'll only ever be seen yeah. as a job and a short term fix. And so I, I spend a lot of time with, with my customers trying to understand them, how they think, how they operate, what they care about, what they don't care about. And this, this even is peeling it back further than just the JD and their needs. Yeah. It's like, tell me how, you know, how did you tell me, Mr. CPO, how did you get into product? What was your journey? What do you believe in? What's important to you? You know, what characteristics do you look for in an individual when you hire them? You know, the, the answer to these questions are almost as important, if not more so than, do you know how to work with Jira or use Miro yeah. or whatever the tool, right? The hard um, skills that are not yeah. really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I get, I get asked this question quite a lot about, you know, do you search for certain hard skills? Never. Like it's very rare. I even look for that. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm more interested in you know, personality type, team fit, culture. And so, yes, um, plenty of examples where I've had to do that. And more often than not, I think because I, I build a lot of trust with my candidates and the companies I work with, when I submit someone, I don't really ask them to like tailor resumes, you know, spend 15, 20 minutes, half an hour adjusting. You're just making the connection. Them. It seems I just like, say, hey, look, yeah. I've spoken to Kevin. This guy's awesome. He's like, this is this is where it overlaps and relates to what you're looking yeah. for. You need to interview this guy. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, again, I, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, who have been listening to this, are trying to revive their resume or you know revamp mm. their LinkedIn profile, and it's bloody hard, right, to <laughs> to to sell yourself. Um, and I recognise that you know not everyone is a natural salesperson. So for me trying to assess the stuff that isn't on a profile or on a resume, you know, just through mm. having conversations and getting to meet people. That's where the real connections happen in product management. And that's where I think great hires happen because you're not hiring someone based on a piece of paper or a LinkedIn profile. Yeah. You're hiring someone who can forge relationships, influence other team members, engage stakeholders, engage your customers. You know, these are a lot of the softer skills that you know, are highly valuable. And that's why I spend a lot of my time. Let's switch over to the candidacy then, because this is really interesting. So you meet a lot of product leaders and product managers on a weekly basis. So what is your process? How do you have a conversation, ask the right questions to assess some of these soft skills, those criteria that you're looking for to then pair them with the companies and businesses you're working with? Yeah. A lot of what I do is from the viewpoint of not having a job, right? So whenever I'm talking to someone, even if I have vacancies in mind that I think they're going to be suitable suitable for. I'm not interested in talking to them about the particular vacancy. I'm interested in I'm interested about getting to know them and their yeah. motivation and their desire. Right. So um most of my questions are, you know, pretty conversational, right? It's like, hey Kevin, you know, I said walk me through your journey. How did you get into product? And, mm. you know, simple questions like that, what I'm looking for is their ability to storytell. How engaging are they? Um and uh, what are they going to highlight, you know, in their stories? Are they going to highlight their key strengths, um, stuff they're most proud of, you know, and that allows me then to dig dig yeah, deeper into that conversation. So, yeah, high level conversations about their journey, how they got into product, um, what type of product manager are they? What type of tasks do they enjoy doing as, as a PM? Mm. And I use the term PM, right, to apply to product leaders too, right, CPOs. Um, you know, what do you, what do you enjoy doing as a product professional? What do you not enjoy doing as a product professional? Um, what do you, you know, what do you believe product management should look like? Um, what, what do you expect of your peers in the business? You know, what's it, what's important to you in terms of the environment and the culture that you're looking for? Um, 
uh do you have any preferences around like industries or domain spaces that you like to practice in or that you'd like to avoid and there's a few other bits and bobs from a high level overview but these are some of the most common questions that i will use and a lot of it is really to ascertain someone's motivation their desire because when you leave questions fairly open what what you're allowing someone to do is choose uh, they'll nav naturally navigate towards stuff they're most interested in or want to focus on right or that they're good at and so that's that's telling me something straight away and so if a lot of what they tell me is aligning with some of the vacancies i have then we'll start yeah. to dig into the, the particular vacancies and talk about, okay, well, I have this particular customer then based off what you're talking about, they're looking for this, this and this. And so what happens is through that process, I'm creating a, a safe environment for job seekers. I'm not hard selling anyone. Um, you know, I'm understanding what they really want, not what I want or what the customer wants, you know, to crowbar them into. Yeah, It's truly understanding what you're good for. Okay. I have something that's good for it. Let's talk about it and let's talk about the specifics that overlap. So, you know, if we, if we have a suitable position, we talk about the company and it's like, yeah. okay, well now I've walked you through this, tell me about your experience that's mm. relatable to this and you know, how mm. it solves some of their challenges. And that's why, um, again, got a bit of a tangent, but I'll explain the benefit here. That's no, good. Yeah. Um, for most of my vacancies, if I end up supplying more than, you know, five candidates for a job, I'm not doing my job properly, you know? If a customer says to me, I want to be speaking to 10 people, 10, 15, 20 people, because mm. I want to assess the market, I haven't done my job properly and I'm wasting their time and I'm wasting the candidates time. And so I, I generally hover around that sort of like three, four, five candidates that I get in play. Um, they're all highly matched. And what it leads to is a better candidate experience, right? Because hopefully most of the candidates I put in, in, into the mix with my customers are not sitting there going, oh, for God's sake, this recruiter. You know, I'm one of 40 people applying for this job or I haven't mm. heard back from him. Um, or mm. it was he was talking about a job that wasn't relevant. So I just don't get into those scenarios. And then customers are thankful because I'm actually saving them quite a lot of time. So I think that approach, like I said, just re rewinding it back where I'm actually just understanding the person and spending time there and then selling the appropriate solution makes a ton more sense. There's been a lot of motion in the industry as of late, and I'm sure you're hyper in tune with this, right? There's been many layoffs in tech. We also have a podcast episode we published uh, just a few weeks ago talking about that most highest paying job that people are burnt out and want to quit tends to be that senior product manager. Then we had the Brian Chesky interview coming out talking about the role of product management and his approach to having them lean in to go to market. It seems like this space has been incredibly more active in in interesting trying to find a footing way. Um, you know, like the technology companies are trying to figure out how to build product companies that are profitable and grow within unstable economies. They are, you know, their traditional methods of growing is is changed. Their traditional methods of hiring and retaining has changed. It just seems like there's so much turbulence in the market today. I want to get your perspective because you kind of sit, I don't know if it's agnostic, but you're kind of in the middle of this rift of like organizational turbulence and candidates that have maybe gotten recently laid off or, you know, burnt out and wanting to find something new. What have you seen from your unique position here? What, what seems to be interesting that, that we can dive into? Gosh, so much. Um, <laughs> I know there's so, a lot. 
Do, do you know what? I, like, I think you had a good point. I, I do sit at quite a unique spot, and I think um, as a third party, I can I can be pretty candid, right, about what's good and bad for both yes. sides. Feds, right? Yeah. And that's that's what I want want to do. So, um, wow. So you know, I've spoken with people who've been laid off, companies who've been you know been there since like day one. Like you know, founding PM have grown you know growing the business over time. To have been told, you know, hey, there's no need for you anymore. Uh, ah. Part of a 25 cent yeah. riff, and then actually, two months later, their job has been advertised. The job they were laid off from, the exact same job, right? Um, there was one that stuck out to me, like towards back in the last year. Yeah, it was a group PM, and he's like, "Yeah, I got laid off," and I, and I was like, "Hey, you know, what? I did some research. I just noticed they reposted your vacancy. It looks like the exact same job." you were doing and he's like yeah i'm not surprised he's like you know they've been they've been cutting people and it's it's under this sort of guise of uh you know the company's struggling and, and whatnot but when in reality a lot of it's just about restructuring or maybe you know their face doesn't fit anymore um mm. and they want wants different approach so i don't know it's 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 a tough one because in some instances some companies are struggling there's there are a lot of companies that aren't actually and um I actually think, again, I'm no economist, but what, from what I see and what I hear from talking about a lot of these companies, um, there's a lot of caution, right? So product, I feel like, I don't know, is one of those functions where a lot of companies think they can cut it. Um, and it's not just product at the moment, because again, a lot of engineering teams have been cut to it, but it's like, we can survive without product. We've got the roadmap. We can just keep some engineers and we can continue building mm. this thing for the next six or 12 months. Um, but I think a lot of those companies are, are incredibly short-sighted and there's no surprise. Most of the founders, um, ex product people, right? They're either ex software engineers or ex sales. And, and these, these companies will have challenges. So definitely seeing some, some kind of weird stuff around uh, restructuring uh, and people losing their jobs as a result of that. Um, I'm seeing a shift in terms of the seniority that's being hired in product. So, um, like middle management product leaders kind of feel a fairly vulnerable spot at the moment. Um, uh, it's tough for various reasons that I think if a company is at a reasonable scale and already has some kind of head of product or a chief product officer or a VP of product, they'll run with that and then they'll employ a bunch of very experienced ICs. I'm seeing, seeing that model quite a bit where they'll employ a bunch of senior PMs or principal PMs. If they have very few hires to make, they'll, they'll go down that route. Um, partly because of the versatility that they can try and get away with some of those senior PMs or principal PMs striking some of that balance or being great at the st strategic side of things as well as the execution. Um, so seeing a shift towards that, um, seeing some, some shifts around like hybrid working, not nothing major. Um, but mm. you know, companies wanting to get people a little bit more local if they can. Um, I think that kind of coincides with the fact that post COVID the whole, or the whole remote hiring explosion, you know, some, some companies are like, yes, awesome. We can hire people from all over the U S we can tap into this massive talent pool. I, I, I think a lot of those companies have changed their story now because it's like, well, we thought it was a massive talent pool and everyone else started doing it. So that pool. <laughs> was quickly and filled with a lot of competition. And so yeah. a lot of com companies that were based out of, you know, the higher paying areas had more clout and could, mm. you know, 
poach talent from Atlanta or whatever, some of the slightly more uh, cheaper locations, although not as cheap anymore, um, to live in. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're kind of seeing a bit of a shift that, you know, some of those organizations are now going, cool, well, let's dip back into hybrid. Let's try and get some people closer to the office. Um, yeah. And that is, it's causing a really, I don't know, like it's, it's a weird vibe out there because yeah, yeah. from... From my perspective, I think there's a lot of people looking. Um, there's also a lot of people who are sat in jobs right now who want to move, but are not encouraged enough to move because salaries are lower uh, across the board because there is this perception of supply and demand, you know, shifted sure. massively in the company's favor. I don't know if that is true of every level, to be honest with you. Um, someone asked mm. me today, you know, if I'm a senior PM, Am, am I going to have to take pay cuts and move? And I was like, well, no, actually. I, I actually think senior senior PM pay has been pretty resilient in the last 12 months. I think I think some lead, P, lead PM and direct level PM type stuff has taken a bit of a hit. But lots of lots of interesting stuff around confidence mm. in the market, people not wanting to move because of the dynamics, um, people being treated poorly, uh, a lot of people just a bit fed up, like you said, burnt out. Um, but there's also a lot of really good stuff out there, like good companies too. So bit of a mishmash. I want to get into the specifics. You talked about maybe three categories we could look at PMs, like just, you know, your two year in three year in your leader, which is, Hey, I'm, uh, you know, managing people. And then your middle management leader, meaning, you know, maybe I'm doing more of the strategy. I'm reporting to CEO middle management. I'm reporting to a CPO or head of product. And so maybe you have your directors in there. So let's start with the PMs. The PMs that are on the market, are you seeing them taking pay cuts? Are you seeing them able to land another product job because there's so many other senior product managers out there? Like, what is the insight that they can take away when they're listening to this? Some PMs are landing jobs quickly, others aren't. Um, I think there is a common theme actually across all three levels in that there's this perception that, you know, if I've lost my job and I need to find another job, if I'm super strict with my requirements, I'm not going to find what I want, you know, or I'm, I'm not going to mm. land, you know, the, the job that I'm best. So what most product professionals are doing out there, and I strongly advise against it, is they dilute their requirements. So they dilute the value they can bring, right? So it's like, say, for example, I've been speaking with some senior PMs in the health tech space. They spent the last eight years working for three or four different startups in the health tech space, specializing in mental, mental health, right? Some of those individuals are considering talk to me like hey i'm agnostic on the, on the domain space i will just take any Wee. job for now right um because i don't want yeah. to pigeonhole myself see the thing is in a market like this a company from agritech is less likely to consider you if you've never worked in it right um the reality is a health tech company right now who's recruiting is more than likely to want someone who has the domain knowledge and expertise that's just yeah. the way it is yeah. so now is not a time to think about, hey, what am I a seven out of ten at? And I would like to become a ten out of ten, so they need to give me that that shot. Now is the time to think about what am I a ten out of ten at, and I'm going to refine my my search and my requirements based on that. So if I am amazing in the health tech industry, I've got you know three or four companies behind me and three or four great stories behind me. Let me take that story to market and let me go target those particular customers that might have value from it. That that's probably been the biggest thing I've noticed people doing in the market right now. It's, it's I can understand it. There's a sense of panic. 
uh, for some individuals. But the moment you start panicking and running around, applying every job. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost saying like if I if I dilute and cast a wide net, I'm not going to be even successful with the stuff I might be a good match for because I'm not being specific to say I'm looking for industry health tech jobs, right? Like, and then that's okay, interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, good. yeah, totally. I like that. Yeah, and that's yeah. A, it, and like, like you said, it's a theme across the the board there, which is good to shift towards the leadership roles. Are you seeing also those PM leaders shift towards more IC work? Because yeah. there's more of that available in the market when it's overpopulated. Yes, definitely. I think those leaders who are in positions where they might have transitioned into leadership in the last couple of years probably have, I'm having more of those conversations with those folks who are considering dipping down and it makes sense. And again, they have a little bit of a challenge in that, you know, if you're running up against it, if it's a principal PM position, you got someone who's yeah. in their stride as a principal PM and you take a, a, yeah. a, a director of product going up against them, they, you know, you might be sitting there as director PM saying, well, I've got some additional skills that can be valuable to this business as they grow. But, you know, I talk to enough CPOs and heads of product who are like, unless there is a very compelling reason why you want to yeah. be an IC, I know you're going to leave this job in the next three, yeah, six, nine once months. Once the market opens. Yeah, interesting. So, so what, yeah, what recommendation do you have for them then? Well, again, a, a lot of it, right, is like that middle management is being squeezed. So I, I think um, just based on where the market's at, no doubt there'll be, you know, we'll come out the other side at some point and we'll need to scale those product teams and those people will be in, in a great spot. But to navigate time like this, I think they need to ask themselves the question, what do I really enjoy doing? Again, what what am I a 10 out of 10 at? If if I'm like a 9 out of 10 um, as a PM, so to speak, um, what do I need to do to refine my skill set to be competitive against a senior PM or a principal PM yeah. for one of those vacancies? So I think there's a little bit of that. I also think we, they need to look inward and go, cool, well, again, what am I, where's my value add around domain knowledge or am I an expert in the startup space? You know, if so, let me mm. target, you know, startups in this domain and say, Hey, cool, Jeremy, I know you want a player at, the, at this moment in time, maybe a player coach is what you're going to need as your company scales through you know, series A funding, series B funding, et cetera. I talked about this with uh Kartik, uh, was on the show, the CEO of ignition, and he was talking about the difference between enterprise versus startup type of PM work and that the PMs, I wonder if you see this, but the, the PMs at the startups, they tend to wear multiple hats. They're both a player and a coach. It's more about getting shit done and uh, focusing on the product work and shipping and like surviving, right? So there's a different set of skills. And then PMs more in the enterprise are more around the, you know, the networking, the politics, the rubbing shoulders, the negotiating, the highlighting team's accomplishments. And it's almost like an 80-20 difference, right? You're like shifting. You're not doing as much of the work as an enterprise that you are at a startup. Do you see similar patterns when you're when you're chatting with folks and, and companies? I mean, like I, I feel like it's um, in some respects it's two different worlds. But I, I don't think it's I don't think it's easy to say, hey, look, startup PMs are exactly like this, and you know, big tech PMs. Sure. Are exactly yeah. Like to that. generalize, because, you know, in yeah. big tech, in big tech, you're going to get environments where it feels like it's a startup or you know, a spin up, yeah. where it's you know, less politics, less resources available, maybe a bit more financial yeah. clout to do certain things. Um, but I think what, what really matters when you're looking for a job or trying to build a team, in my opinion, is relative experience, you know, and I think, um, 
you know, like it's very rare. I, I think a startup um, will actually hire a big tech product leader. It does happen. I've worked That's with some of them, you know, yeah. you know, from time to time, but um, mm -hmm. more often than not, you know, they say they want this or they think, hey, I need a product leader for yeah. one of these big brands. But in reality, the way that they perform, the way the environment they're used to operating within is just so different to where they will be finding themselves that it rarely works out or it, or there's a significant transition period and it needs a lot of time, energy and effort to make it successful. So um, I almost feel like there's these buckets of like startup scrappy type PMs that are like great, you know, to get the business to find product market fit. And then you kind of have these folks who are great kicking it on a little bit further you know, through that growth phase. And then you have these yeah. other, these other, yeah, these other product folks who are great at maturing a product or turning a mature product around, you know, it's kind of like those kind of buckets. And when companies hire or when people seek jobs, they tend to stick in those buckets. Um, I find it a way. Mm, that makes sense. So it sounds like one of the things I, I think you maybe had a post on LinkedIn the other day about like putting the titles appropriately in your bio, like having the industry call Definitely. out, having like, yeah, B2B, B2C, having the, and, you know, and so I thought that was a really good insight. You want to touch on that? You know, as a headhunter, I want to find, you know, the relevant people as quickly as possible, right? Um, you know, the same by any cost customer who's going to market is trying to recruit someone in product right now. And so what kills me, it absolutely kills me when I see uh, profiles where it's like, hey, I'm a product leader. I'm like, hell is a product leader? Do you know what I mean? Like, that could be anything. Yeah, so right. I've, cl I've clicked on a profile that said product leader to find that someone is, is a PM, like, you know, been a PM yeah. for two years. I've clicked on product sure. leader and found someone to be like, uh, like a huge, massive time CPO. We have massive brands behind, them, right? And I've clicked yeah. on it and I've seen everything in between. So the, the point is, it's kind of wasting my time and you're not yeah. being uh, clear when you go to market about signposting who am I and what am I good at and why should you contact me? And that's really what LinkedIn I think is about. Yes, it's about networking and learning stuff from other people, but it's your shop window and you advertise yourself as a product leader, don't make it tough for people to figure out what you do uh, and where your skill set's at. Just signpost it really clearly. And so I, I think that would help um, a lot of folks in terms of their job search. It sounds like a small thing, but if they tried it themselves and ran a quick search on LinkedIn, you can quickly see all you see is their name, their title, and their yeah. location. And so like, I'm not clicking into like thousands yeah. of people as a product leader. I'm clicking into the, the person who actually tells me what they are. I love that because it's almost like you're SEOing your <laughs> your website, much. Your, your, pre your presence in, in LinkedIn. It's great. I thought yeah, that was a yeah, really great uh, uh, snippet. Any other tips and tricks like that? Have you kind of seen be successful or you encourage folks that are looking to kind of employ? Yeah. So um, where we're at in general now with how you land a job in today's market, I think, yes, it's, a, it's an extreme scenario where there's a lot of competition for spaces and there's a lot of noise, you know, whether it's companies advertising, people claiming to coach you and you can get this and that. Um, there's a whole raft of things going on there. But I think one thing that I think is apparent, especially in the world of product management, is relationships, right? And just general networking. I know that term gets thrown thrown around quite a lot. And I know a lot of people know they need to do it, but they really do need to do it. Because yeah. not just when you fancy a new job, 
or you know, you're, you've had a, you know, an argument with your boss and you think, screw this, I want to look for something new next week. Um, that's the wrong time. I think it's almost too late to be networking, right? What yeah. I advise most people to do now, whether you're looking for work, not looking for work, or inevitably you will be looking for something else at some point, is to start connecting with people who are aligned with the stuff you care about. So if it's like, hey, I'll go back to the health tech example. If I'm a senior PM and I got into health tech because something happened to a family member years ago, and that's what really drives me. And I know I want to stay in the health tech space. Well, great. You know, th there's something to cling on to, right? I'm working for a health tech company. I'm in a pretty good spot. But what I shouldn't do is just sit there and continue to work as, you know, as a PM the rest of my days and wait for the company to either promote me or fire me mm. or whatever it may be, right? You're on the back foot. It and you're not in control of your career. What most people should be doing, or everyone should be doing, is putting feelers out and like just building connections, right? Because those connections will either present new opportunities that will test, I don't know, your interests and your resolve, um, or it will either reconfirm that you're onto a great thing where you are right now in terms of your career opportunity, right? And the company you're at. And so I, I think one thing everyone should start doing is just being more proactive in their networking, right? So whether it's LinkedIn or building communities or connecting and chatting with like-minded people, yeah. it doesn't have to be anything major, like once a month yeah. with someone new. Um, you just never know where that's going to take you. And I think that's massively underestimated. And, and to be honest with you, it's where most of the business gets done. So there's jobs that get advertised on LinkedIn. I reckon I place probably 20% of my business probably comes from stuff that is actually my post on LinkedIn and um, the, the vacancies I post. I, I, there are a lot of vacancies I don't post and there's a lot of vacancies I just connect with people behind the scenes or someone yeah. comes to me and says, hey, I need, I need this discrete search to happen. Can you help me find this type of person? And I just kind of go behind the scenes and connect people that I know and trust and I think are great. And so there's a lot of business that gets done like that. If I, if I could also give one more um, tip linked to that, Kevin, is that um, for for people who are looking for work right now, one of the mistakes I find is that those product leaders are applying for the vacancies that they see in the market. So it could be on LinkedIn jobs, or it could be in their feed. They see someone say, Hey, I'm recruiting, you know, reach out yeah. if you're looking for the, you know, looking for a vacancy. Now that's getting a ton of attention, right? You know, these, these messages, yeah, now it's people over, are getting hit yeah. up hundreds, thousands, whatever, you know, you've probably been there and done that. I've been there and done that. Um, where it's too much, right? It's it's super overwhelming. And if you're a candidate, the odds are definitely not in your favor in that situation. You're, like, you're too late to the party. So I, I would almost go to the point, you know, I said a few minutes ago around being more proactive and building a network in that if you're in the health tech space and you're connecting with people, let's say I'll stick with that mental health example, mental health tech companies, and you're connecting with CPOs, heads of product, CEOs, you know, decision makers in those businesses, or even like peers, you know, if you're a senior PM, connect with other, other PMs there, uh, start to build a connection, build relationships with those people. And I would just get on their radar and I would like, you know, if you're thinking of looking for a job at some point in the future, just say to them, Hey, you know, we, we, we connect, we've got a good vibe going on. I love what you're doing. If anything comes up, let's talk. Yeah. And guess what? You're going to be at the front of the queue for those job opportunities before they even go live. They probably won't even yeah. go live. They will just hide. Come, yeah, come, yeah. And and so again, instead of playing in the pool of like, hey, I'll wait and get super, you know, on top of the vacancies alive and apply, and I'm now candidate one of five hundred and sixty, 
you're now candidate one of you know, two, three, four, five candidates, maybe at best, or at least you're at the very f- yeah. front of the pack, uh, increasing your chances of getting an interview and getting hired. So I think that passive um, network and building those relationships is where it's at. And that's something that I think should, you know, everyone should be doing regardless of their status of their work today. And it will stand them in good, uh, in good stead for the future too. That, that's a great piece of advice there. I, I appreciate that. Let's uh, wrap up with some homework for our listeners based on our conversation. And then we'll kind of close out with any plugs or re- other recommendations that you might have. Is there anything that based on our conversation with our listenership to assign to them for this week that they're listening to the episode to put into practice in, in their job search? Yeah, definitely. I think like the LinkedIn profile piece that we touched on uh, a few times, really important, right? Um, whether you're, like I said, fully employed and you're happy, don't neglect your LinkedIn profile. I'd probably say that's more important than than a resume. So w- what they should be doing is spending time looking at their title, um, looking at the body of their, their text. So, you know, when they listed their companies and their experience actually put some information in there, makes them searchable, you know, um, because plenty of profiles lack um, which means what is your recommendation? Com- Cause like on the resume, you'll go into like more specifics about maybe revenue, but maybe not on the LinkedIn. Like, is there you, a you can. best practice? If there's, if, there's, okay. if there's nothing sensitive there, yeah. um, then by all means share it. I, I generally say like, if you have a resume, LinkedIn's kind of like a diluted version of that. It's like 50%, yeah. but make sure the, uh, the words you use in there are the words you want to be searched for. So again, if you are like a B2B guru, please, please put B2B in your profile. And that sounds like a really simple thing. Don't just say, hey, I'm a SaaS expert. Uh, Be explicit in that, like I'm a B2B SaaS expert in the FinTech space. I'm like, awesome. Because when a customer comes to me and says, hey, I want a a B2B FinTech expert in Denver, Colorado, bang, do you know what I'm going to find you within minutes and I'm going to hit you up about a job you're interested in. So yeah. yeah, be explicit with the words you use um, in the body of your text. Be, be clear about the title. Um, I would even go uh, as far as saying uh, your recommendation section on LinkedIn. Again, a lot of people neglect that, but that's social proof to me that you're mm. good at your job. So go and collate uh, recommendations from people you've worked with over the years, yeah. peers, leaders. Um, that's something you can do and collect in your own time, but it, it's great right it's like it replaces a lot of the old school referencing doesn't get done as much these days but that social proof is is super valuable so yeah make sure your linkedin uh, game is looking good um i would also uh, with linkedin go and ask your friends people who don't work in the world of tech and be like hey does this make any sense to you if you came across my linkedin Mm. profile (laughs) like what does this tell you you what i do yeah because i mean like again if you're just like product leader I worked at XYZ company. I'm like, yeah. you're just telling me nothing. Oh, this is pure guesswork, right? And it's, again, it's not going to help a recruiter yeah. or a company that wants to seek you out. So yeah, go go right. and check it with people who are not in your world day to day. So I, I think that's, that's cool. Great. Resume, same thing as well, Kevin. Resume, I think a yeah. lot of folks can could work on their resume. Uh, do you know what? I would say six out of 10 product folks I, I speak with will say, I haven't put together a resume in seven years or eight years, or I haven't worked on it in a long time, right? Because Mm -hmm. most of my jobs have been through word of mouth. I just got referred in and that's cool, right? You know, if you can get your next job like that, great. But what happens when you don't, what you don't want to be doing is like playing catch up and going, oh damn it. You know, I haven't got a good resume. I don't know 
what to do. Um, that's that's really critical too. So you know, seeking out like I wouldn't go to a, a, like a resume service company necessarily because sure. um, I get asked this question quite a bit, and I do a little bit of it on the side. Um, but you need to spend time making sure your resume tells a story. So again, mm. a, a quick, quick overview of stuff that I normally guide people on is your introduction at the very top of your resume. Please don't just say, hey, I'm a product leader with seven years experience, yeah. you know, doing this, this, and this. That's like your elevator pitch. You know, it's like a 30 second read at the top. So tell the reader what you're amazing at and what you care about and why they should read mm. on. Um, so that that is often missing 95% like of the time. Most people miss that trick. And every resume I read then is like super like stock and it's the same and it's boring. If you want to stand out in the crowd, make sure your resume actually speaks to who you are and can convey some of your personality. That's really important. Don't underestimate the value of like outcomes and it, and how you've done a great job basically in the positions yeah. you've been in. So where you've added value, talk, yeah. talk, talk about your accomplishments. Yeah. You know, like mm. um, your key achievements, all of that yeah. stuff. What impact did you have in the business? I, I don't need you, need you to list me every single thing you did like you know i was um doing some discovery work with customers i don't care about m that information as much talk to me about the impact the revenue the outcomes um, yeah all that kind of stuff yeah so Love yeah it. don't underestimate that yeah so yeah linkedin and resume are the two things i would say you should always yeah. keep on top of keep those refreshed and then the last thing really is just about go out and start building new connections even if you can't commit mm -hmm. to doing a major drive on like attending loads of in-person meetings or whatever it may be but just say to yourself hey look i'm going to reach out to one new person that you know I, that I want to be in their world and vice versa each week do that once a week and you'll start striking up some in interesting conversations at the very least it will give you food for thought from other peers in the product industry around how you should maybe do things in your current company, which can improve you as a PM too. Well, I love this, James. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, this you, you stole my homework. I was going to recommend the meetup too, but I, or you know, I guess I'll, I'll add to that is is a way that you can network and meet more people is to join some meetups and. There's some local ones in town, Colorado product. There's there's a couple others like the depending on your industry, right? There's there's probably a few more as well. So seek those out, attend those, even if you don't know anybody there, just to network, just to meet people. It's 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 super important. Well, James, I, I've learned so much and and thank you so much for your time. You've been gracious. Where can our listeners find you and anything you want would like to promote? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, by all means, follow me on on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there. Um, please follow like Producto. I think. That, that's the main way to sort of keep in touch with yep. what I'm doing. Uh, nothing in particular to promote from my side, you know, other than what I mentioned at the beginning. We're a product management recruitment business. Yep. And if there's one thing I will say about it, it's recruitment is an incredibly transactional industry. And I'm trying to change that. And I think by specializing solely in product, like you've seen today and heard today, there's a lot more value I can add. So people want guidance generally on like, oh, I'm trying to get a promotion. How do I approach that? feel free to hit me up on, on LinkedIn or, you know, I'm looking to build out my team and I need to put a budget together for these hires. What do we pay and what should we be paying to be competitive? Cool. I can provide insights on that too. So, um, yeah, for that kind of information, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and, and follow me. And, uh, great. yeah, I would love to be helping more folks in the, in the product community. Well, thank you so much, James, for, uh, coming on the show today. It looks like we finished up our coffee, so go level up. This has been Product Coffee produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover. And who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. 
Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.